Hey, if you're enjoying this show, uh, consider supporting us on our Patreon. You can get cool perks like access to these episodes a week before they go public, and you can pick an album for us to review. Any support is greatly appreciated, so if you feel inclined, go to patreon.com slash polyphonicpress. You're listening to Polyphonic Press, a podcast for music lovers. Join your hosts, Jeremy Boyd and John Van Dyke, as they take a deep dive into a classic album and analyze it track by track. Hey, welcome to Polyphonic Press. I'm Jeremy Boyd. And I'm John Van Dyke. And uh, basically, if you don't know how the show works, we have no idea what album we're going to be listening to. Uh, we've got a album, random album generator in front of us, so we're going to hit the button and see what album we're going to be listening to this week. And this week, we're going to be listening to "Title" by Fiona Apple. Huh. Um, I'm not that familiar with Fiona Apple. I'm aware of her. Certainly heard her name. I know she was, like, big in the 90s and whatnot. So, Tidal is the debut studio album by American singer-songwriter Fiona Apple, released on July 23rd, 1996, uh, by The Work Group, which I think that's the record label. Um, so, produced six singles, uh, Shadow Boxer, Slow Like Honey, Sleep to Dream, oops, um, The First Taste, uh, criminal and never is a promise. Uh, criminal, criminal. The album's most popular single won a Grammy for uh, best female rock vocal performance in 1998. Um, let's see, so it's uh, I'm aware. Yeah, like you said, I'm aware of her, but I'm not that familiar with her music. So this will be interesting. Oh, John Bryan. Okay, cool. Um, so let me see. So, um, the first song on the album is called Sleep to Dream. So here we go. All right. Cool. I, uh, I like that. That's yeah, uh, that at all. It kind of reminded me, that was very 90s. Yes. Um, it, uh, kind of reminded me of, uh, the music, anyway, reminded me of something that like uh, Moby or Fatboy Slim or something like that would do. Yeah, I was thinking some long lines of like Alanis Morissette or Natalie Imbruglia or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, she definitely falls into that sort of uh, category. At least that's that first song did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the music was a little more, um, I guess, electronic inspired. Yeah, but like you I know. said, the other two could do that too. I mean, it that's was a, true. It was it was rock and roll ish, more you know rockish, but with like a little bit of experimentation going, a little bit of pop, but but definitely got um oh I don't know uh there's a lot of feel in it, and 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 nothing mm. comes off sounding very um uh artificial or anything like that yeah it's, it's it sounds very um it sounds good mm -hmm. so yeah and i think that might be because uh, because it doesn't sound artificial i don't know for sure like i don't know how the track was constructed but it sounds like to me that um they were using mostly samples from other stuff rather than creating maybe stuff from synthesizers or something like that yeah um, possibly um, I, like I said, I don't know for sure if that's how they constructed the song, but, um, I mean, there's, <clears throat> there are musicians in the studio, so, um, yeah. it just might be, um, I don't know, um, filters put on instruments and stuff like that's that. That's true too. Yeah. So, to sort of give it that lo-fi kind of like, uh, um, yeah, like, uh, uh, sort of a, a, a mixed sound sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I and, and the vocals, I think the the vocals were mixed really well. They were right uh right at the front. Right, right at the front. And um and I think because that was really what was driving the song. Um yeah, her they, voice she yeah. she she can use her voice to actually move a song along. It's pretty good. Yeah. 
and uh and because the 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 instrumentation really didn't change much although there were some uh, instruments that kind of came in and then went out and then and there was some interesting stuff going on in the background but it was it was repetitive uh, and because of that you kind of put your mind on the instrumentation kind of on autopilot and then the vocals kind of are the thing that drives the song yeah it seemed like uh, if anything was like sort of denoting a key change it was a piano coming mm-hmm. in every once in a while just sort of hits a, a chord yeah or something like that yeah i thought it yeah it was it was really well done and i'm 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 impressed <laughs> yeah and and i loved some of the other ambient stuff going on in the back which was it sort of gave it that uh um dreamy feel yeah i mean if you're writing song about sleeping and dreaming and stuff like that i've, I've heard the eels do this as well mm-hmm. where they make it sound a little bit uh off kilter a little bit you know out of reality yeah and this kind of did that too so yeah yeah was, yeah the uh like the that. music definitely fits the lyrics that's mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i it was i'm uh i'm really impressed it was really really well done um so the uh, the next song is a song called sullen girl and uh let's get into that awesome mm. uh i liked the dynamics in that song how yeah. it just kind of went up and then down back down again and went up again it was just it was really well done um it wasn't just a flat kind of sound that went across it wasn't you know it lifted up in some parts and it like it was just uh, you know and it it was always in the right moment it yeah yeah it's uh was just uh i mean it's it's a softer song than the than the last one for sure mm-hmm. um i like that sort of um i heard a what i think was like a it was a steel guitar in the back i don't know if it was a lap mm-hmm. steel or a pedal steel there was that sort of floating around the background which gave it almost like a uh i want to say well, that's a little cliche to say a countryish feel, but that's mm-hmm. one way to always get a bit of a countryish feel. Is yeah, put a slight, put uh, a steel slight, guitar steel guitar in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it gives it like a wide open field feel, mm-hmm. sorta. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I I noticed that too, and it's it's. Uh, but again, it's not like in your face or anything no. like that. It's just part of the uh, it's the just, ambience of the song. Yeah, it's the, just. Uh, uh, Used more as a texture than rather than a yeah, exactly a featured instrument. Because sonic landscaping. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. again, it's her voice in the piano that's right in the in the foreground, and then everything else is just kind of supporting that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Uh, it's and it's a beautiful song too. I mean, it's um, I can't I can't really see like doing anything else with it or anything I could add or subtract or anything like that. So, yeah, I gotta say her voice is deeper than I imagined it would be. Yeah. She's got a very unique, uh, sort of a, uh, uh, lower timbre to her mm-hmm. or to her voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why I was imagining it much. Uh, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Um, I don't know if I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard her before, but I, there might be something that we've heard, but it was kind of, maybe she, maybe she does have a song that she sings higher. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's so far, so far, I mean, the first two songs are really, um, maybe I'm in just in the right mood for this album, but I'm just, you know, it's it's really. Uh, well, I keep it, saying it again, but I'm impressed. I mean, it's it's you know. clearly people who put this together knew what they were doing. Anyway, I remember hearing stuff like this when I was a kid around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not necessarily this, but there was a lot of stuff around like this at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was. You know, some of it was pretty good, and you know. But, you know, it was also sort of mixed in with a lot of the other pop stuff that I really tried hard to ignore. Yeah. It was kind of hard to separate it. But, yeah, 
definitely some of it was, I guess this was more like an alternative, uh, what would you call it? Um, yeah, I guess al- alternative rock or I guess, or yeah. 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 It's hard to, it's re- it's actually, it's kind of hard to, to put a, a I label would, on it. I would, yeah. Like, uh, I would much like, uh, well, like I mentioned, uh, Natalie and Burley and, 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 uh, Alanis Morissette, but, but mm-hmm. I also like Tori Amos or, you know, there's, there's people like that, that I definitely did hear and, and I actually liked, mm-hmm. um, and, and this just falls into that category. It it doesn't, yeah. it, it's, it's definitely of high quality. It does, mm-hmm. it doesn't come off sounding cheap or anything like that. Right. Exactly. Which was really so much of the stuff. And I guess this is just me speaking, uh, learning from my, uh, preconceived notions of, that I was a kid. There was just so much stuff on the radio. I just kind of brushed it all off most mm-hmm. of it until I heard something like my parents actually play in the house or something like that. Yeah. Um, then I could actually hear more of it, but there was a lot of stuff I'd never heard at all. Um, mm-hmm. It's amazing how long it took for me to hear grunge. I knew it was out there. I right. heard of Nirvana, but I don't think I'd ever heard any of it until I was in high school. Mm. So it just didn't enter my world. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was the same way with grunge because um, I was too young for it. Yeah. And my parents were too old for it. Exactly. You know, so yep. it kind of just kind of passed me by. Exactly. So it's actually yeah. that very specific age gap mm-hmm. where people think, oh, you were alive during this? And just not really. Yeah, but I, I mean, was three. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I was alive, yeah. but this was happening in a world that like, I was too young and everybody around me was too old for it. So yeah, I didn't have like a teenage brother at the time or something like that, or mm-hmm. even a cousin because everybody seemed to be roughly the same generations around mm-hmm. me, at least in my immediate vicinity. Yeah. My, uh, my first exposure to anything like that, I think I didn't, I never really spent much time with them, but I have cousins who are like 14 or 15 years older than me. Okay. And I remember there was a CD sitting out and it was, um, Rage Against the Machine. Okay. CD. I think it was their second album is whatever the, the, the album with the, uh, like the kid that's on the cover. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, I just, uh. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what rage. I just saw the name rage against the machine. That's all I knew about it. It's like, Oh, that's for the older kids. <laughs> that's all yeah. I knew. Oh yeah. Fuck the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <basically>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lawnmower, man. <clears throat> Screw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, so, so going back and listening to, Cause I grew up with the stuff that my parents were into and I still like that stuff. Yep. And, um, and then, you know, discovering the stuff that was around when we were teenagers, but sort of the in-between period, it, it was kind of like, it had I to, didn't, it had to filter in. It certainly didn't filter in when it was fresh. Right. Yeah. I, my, f- my, what well, I think my first time really getting into the music of that era was, um, well, I was already into Sloan mm-hmm. and I, my dad and I went to a concert, uh, be, to see Sloan, but they were opening for Foo Fighters. And right. I remember being really impressed with Foo Fighters and going back and listening to them. And it's like, oh, there's all this music. Okay. I can get into this. Yeah, and that was, was really my, the first time that I really p- paid any attention to like nineties rock. Yeah. And he was also the, the drummer for Nirvana. So yeah, exactly. And you start following threads like that. Yeah. I did that for like, you know, all the sixties and seventies stuff. Yeah. At least the stuff that wasn't really, really underground stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, and it's interesting now. I, I, I kind of get nostalgic for that music, even though I wasn't really aware of it when I was around, but it's a mm-hmm. weird nostalgia that I must have heard it somewhere at some point. Yeah. 
something you might have heard in the mall. Yeah. When your parents are trying to pick out gym shorts. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yep. You're standing around doing nothing, but there's this tinny speaker above you that's playing whatever hit on the radio right. at the time. So Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, moving on to the next song, this well, the next one is called uh, Shadow Boxer. I think that might be my favorite so far. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me, and they only did it once, is the transition between the first chorus and the second verse. There was a little instrumental break. Hmm. And... Um, it's just there, I think it's a vibraphone that they were playing and it would, it just kind of transitioned out of the chorus and there was a little instrumental break and then the vibraphone did this chromatic, uh, thing going up and it just kind of set up the second verse. And I thought that was a really interesting transition. Hmm. Um, that's yeah. the the biggest thing, and they only did it once, and and but uh, um, that's the thing that stuck out to me the most on that one. Yeah, that song was um, I don't know that one. I sort of let my brain kind of shut off a bit during that one, so it was just like a a mood setter for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear much of it when yeah. that happens, though. Um, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, like it was good. I know I like that sort of uh bluesy um uh what do you call it? That that piano line that sort of moved it through. I thought that was um really neat. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's and it's interesting too. It's 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 um like each song so far is completely different than the last one. Although this one is a little bit similar than the previous one because of the it's the, the piano, but um, uh, I forget what I was going where I was going with that. But um, it would oh they're all really well put together, um, and it's hard to say whether they work together. I because we've only heard three songs, but it's so it's far, an interesting. So. It's an interesting leap between the the different styles um again she's she's taken the approach where uh she has a song and and everything is meant to work around the song Mm -hmm. rather than um it's not even so much as she's got like a set set of instruments and and that's okay too i mean you got a band and everybody's got to have something to do especially if you got to go play it live um and that's one way to make sure everything sort of fits together Mm -hmm. um but uh, still, um, yeah, the song has got to dictate what happens within it. Right. Um, and yeah, she's uh, definitely uh, let that happen to, uh, um, to the extent where she can sort of decide who, uh, if, if something comes in at all or whether it's put aside and only shows up for, you know, a song here or a song there. Um, yeah. It's not uh, necessary for everything to be on everything right so yeah yeah it's, it's like she's not working off of a um a formula or anything yeah. like that it's it's sort of like song by song whatever the song calls for that's what they they go with when and i guess um, that's the difference between having like a, a band set up and a solo artist set up mm-hmm. um yeah and there's i mean there's no right or wrong way to do it no. it's whatever kind of record you want to make um, although this is, you know, 1996 and, mm-hmm. uh, this is before, um, like auto tune and beat correction and things like that. And it's, well, it sounds we like really everywhere anyway. Yeah. I think the programs were in their infancy, but, um, not quite. It was a still f- a few years away. I think, okay. uh, auto tune came in. 98 and then okay. beat detective was in 2001 okay well there you go so yeah it was before all that um but no i mean you know it's obvious that the the 
the it's real people playing the instruments except for the the first song where it was obviously a drum loop they were using but um but even that the drums were it was sampled from a an actual drummer you could tell that it was yeah. real drums um so yeah so it's it's interesting because if this album came out today you know, even good singers, like I'm not a huge Michael Bublé fan, but yeah. he's a good singer. He's a good singer. It, I think I like him as a person. Yeah. And, but like, even then you can still hear that they're using some pitch correction on his voice yeah. and it doesn't, I, I don't think there's something it, about it. Yeah. It just doesn't sound a hundred percent natural. It just, well, what's that guy's name? He like his production is, is, uh, at least has been. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I actually really hate his stuff. <laughs> he, he he was he he did uh, the the eighties Chicago and um, oh uh um David Foster yeah him yeah yeah that's just not a fan of his. No, I'm just not a fan of his. No, no. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think probably Buble is probably the best artist under his thing. But even mm -hmm. then, he's he's got to mess around with it. And yeah. yeah, and I don't think Michael Buble needs that. No, he doesn't need someone to 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 you know go at his voice and and, yeah. and pitch perfect every little note. He's he's already like you know I've seen the odd thing where he does something live. He's perfectly fine. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just don't understand why that's even necessary. It's, um, it's, it's, well, it's the attitude that everything has to be perfect. Yeah. You know, every beat has to be right on the grid. Every note has to be, you know, precise. Yeah. And it, you know, it just, it just kills the personality and things. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. And if this album had, had come out today. Yeah. I, you know, that a lot of the feel would have, would have been, been killed because of they'd be doing stuff like that. It would have been way too robotic. Yeah. Yeah. It would have, um, like, I'm, I'm sure they're, that is if she let might... them make it that robotic. Yeah. I think she has a certain amount of say when it comes to stuff like that. But then yeah. again, somebody else might come and, you know, go over her head, which happens all the time. That's possible. I, I mean, I'm, this is her. I haven't heard any of her later stuff, so I don't yeah. know what it sounds like, but this uh, album anyway, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's not just the, the pop artists that get that treatment either. It's, it's, it's everybody, everybody that, you know, the record company wants it to be perfect. And they're, I don't know. They're worried that, that, uh, um, people won't, like something that isn't perfect but um it might be just they, like, they feel like if they put out something that isn't perfect like that like their own reputation is on the line or something they don't maybe. want their name put on it or something May, yeah i don't know um i know you got to go to a, a fairly independent label if you want to have something that's not been touched by these things yeah. And then thank God there's a lot of stuff out there that is like that. Mm -hmm. And some of it does break through sometimes. Um, yep. Uh, it's rare, but it does sometimes. And there's a, there's a, a singer who came out. I can't remember her name. Um, oh, I, th I, I, I can't remember her name, but anyway, she had a song that was a big hit and it was obvious that it was real instruments playing. Um, and, uh, so, so it's not that people won't, and like, I don't, I think she was an independent artist and she, you know, her album, her, her song just kind of caught on by the masses, mm. just, you know, how that kind of happens sometimes. How long ago was this? Last year. Oh, okay. um, really? Well, and, um, uh, her, I think it's, uh, Brandy Carlisle. Oh yeah, she's she's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, I've been aware of her for a few years. Yeah, um, but she, I think this past year is her biggest year in terms of sales, and uh, 
you know, I mean, I think that's proof that, you know, a, a, nowadays something can be a big hit that isn't a hundred percent perfect. Right. You know, so I, I don't honestly know what the thinking is behind, um, having to make everything. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I figure it's someone's ego trip. I don't know. Well, here's the, here's the thing you can, this is where it kind of gets contradictory because, um, you can argue that it's, 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 you know, mass, mass produced music, but it's actually more work to get it perfect. So I don't understand, and it costs more money to get it perfect. So I don't understand. I think, yeah, well, what I think somebody, there's probably algorithms out there that kind of do this stuff almost like Mm semi-automatically just picks up every little thing and then adjusts it. Yeah. So. But it's more work to do that than just to leave it the way it is. (laughs) Well, yes. You know, but again, they're, I don't know. I guess they're just so used to doing it with everybody that they just do it with everybody. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. It's just they figure that's the way things are done now. There's an entire, there's 20 years of people doing it that way now. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to go into uh, the, in air quotations, geezers to find somebody <laughs> who doesn't do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. We sound like old men complaining about young people, but it's really not that. It's it's because young people, I think, like Brandy Carlisle. I mean, sh- sh- you know, teenagers are into her stuff, so it's not just that. Of course not. And it's, it, there's a yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of younger people who can definitely hear the difference between you know artificial and real, yeah, feeling and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. What is most frustrating to me, and like I've gotten to the point where I can largely ignore that whole scene. There's enough music that once you sort of find like sort of a a scene of stuff going on and follow threads, then this auto tune stuff rarely pops up at all mm-hmm. uh, if you start following those threads. So the only part that really bothers me at this point is that there's so many really legitimate artists that are not being given, you know, the due that they deserve for having yeah. their music heard properly. Mm-hmm. It's got to be, you know, doctored to oblivion until anybody ever hears it. And and I think they deserve better than that. They, they deserve um, the chance to have the real feeling come out. Yeah. So that's just my two cents. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, um, I don't know the, I guess the only thing we can do is just keep supporting the artists that yep. do do that. And hopefully, you know, things change. Yeah. I guess the trend will might end someday. I don't know. We'll see. Never know. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on to the next song, this was the bigger hit on the album. And it's called Criminal. Cool. I like that they didn't fade it out. Like they kept it going at the end for a little bit there. It sounded like they were planning on it and they said, no, 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 fuck it. It's too good. (laughs) Yeah, this is cool stuff going on there. Again, this is the studio. Like, I'm sure it gets faded out on on the radio. Oh, probably. Yeah. The hit, but yeah, on on the album they let it, you know, let it sort of fade out on its own, mm-hmm. rather than fading it out with a fader. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Sort of a return to the style of the first song a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah i I can see why it was a big hit. I I think I have heard that song somewhere. Um. Maybe I think that one missed passed me by if i heard it it was it's like once maybe yeah. but uh yeah it sounds like something that was probably um put on the radio at the time mm-hmm. so. um yeah i like this song it's um it's again it's it's it has a lot going on in the background but it's it 
you know, the beat is, is, uh, just kind of pulsing and it's her voice that's driving it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, everything, there's a lot going on behind it, but it, but it all slots together. It, it's busy, but not over busy. Mm-hmm. It's got a, it, it fits together like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a exactly Swiss watch or something. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's producing this album? Who? Uh, the producer is Andrew Slater. Never heard of him. Um, but he's doing uh, a lot. He's, or he's doing a good job. And, um, John Bryan. I know who John Bryan is. He's an um, instrumentalist. He's, you know, been on thousands of records. Mm. He's a producer as well. He's doing a lot of the instruments on this. Um, I saw he was listed as guitar. Yeah, he's playing, um, well, guitar, vibraphone, tack piano, dulcitone, marimba, chamberlain. Like, he's doing a lot yeah. of stuff. Optagon. Okay. I don't even know what an optagon is. I know what it Optig- is. Optagon, I don't know. An optagon, yes. Uh, have you ever heard of an orchestron as well? Basically the same thing. Oh, okay. Um, the optagon was the... Uh, like the home version of it. They were, it was built by Mattel, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yes. In the late sixties into the early seventies. And what it is, is it would take a disc. Um, it's like a clear acetate sheet and it had like a sound wave sort of like represented in it. Like it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like transparent. It'd be sort of like a brownish grayish piece of, it looked like film or something like that, Mm -hmm. but it's got these sound waves sort of printed on it kind of like you know spiraled like a record or something like that mm-hmm. actually i think it's uh in sequence because it would uh each uh sort of groove not groove because it's flat but mm-hmm. each like wave would correspond to a different key on the thing oh so it's kind of like a mellotron yeah but it, oh, okay. but it but it, it uses uh an, an optic uh an optical sensor i don't know if it was a laser oh. or something i think it was just an optical sensor and, you know, a light would shine through it and the optical sensor would read the uh, sound wave sort of coming off and then it would replicate those sounds and you can get different sheets with different sounds on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm trying to remember what the difference was between the Optigan and the Orchestron was. The Orchestron was a little bit more like a, um, like the uh, Mellotron you were talking about where each thing has like its own... Um, you know, sort of sound and you can manipulate the other thing. But I think the, uh, the Optigan had like, uh, it had like, uh, pre-programmed like beats and stuff like that into it. Mm. So you could hit a key and it would like play like, uh, um, a, a, a rumba or a, uh, polka or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The Mellotron would do that too. Yeah. Um, but, but you'd have uh, to like, program it you'd have to put the piece of tape in it that would play that yeah but this was like it was a loop and it would just keep circling around and around and around he didn't run out like a mellotron would you could basically oh, okay. hold it down um, and it would go forever craft work used to use the the uh uh orchestrons all the time live for uh, their okay for their thing they these are cantankerous machines the tour with but they would <laughs> yeah. do it yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean today you would obviously just use a keyboard but, but yeah exactly then, now you, you can just program it into a keyboard this is in the 70s i couldn't do that yeah um the dx7 didn't come out yet so no. everything still had its own sound the uh the most portable piano was still the uh, uh the fender Rhodes or you know things like that um cool i didn't know about that yeah. so I well, only that, knew about the Mellotron, but uh, Tom Tom Petty on one of the songs, I can't remember what it is, but something on um, Wildflowers, he used an orchestron in it, and apparently they recorded the take, and then the machine broke, and it's never worked again. <laughs> oh, was that on? Um, was that on Higher Place? Might be. Yeah, you can sort of hear it in the background. It's got yeah. this, but yeah, it even sounds like a Mellotron in yeah. a lot of ways. It's got yeah. that sort of sound. Um, um, I saw one at Paul's boutique, maybe several years ago. There's an Optigan sitting there. 
Cool. And they didn't want anybody to touch it. And I think I know why. <laughs> yeah, because it'll probably break. <laughs> touch it. Damn yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, cool. Um yeah, I don't know uh I don't know what else to say about the song. Um kind of got off on a tangent and kind of <clears throat> forgot what I was going to say. It's okay. <laughs> it's we filled right. the time with uh, a lesson on um, obscure uh, keyboards from the seventies. Right. Yeah. yeah. This, this isn't even the song that is played on. It's, it's uh track eight. That oh, okay. It's played on. So we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it's something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so the next one, uh, is called uh, Slow Like Honey. So let's get into that. Cool. She has an amazing voice. Yeah. Totally um, unique, but it's it's a good one. I like that. I like her voice too. Yeah. Um, I like this song. I, this song is more... It's... Uh, I could hear her voice more, and I think it's because this was more of an intimate sort of um uh, song but um like a lot of the songs on here it's the i think it's the vibraphone um is like obviously her voice is is the uh the focus but the vibraphone is just kind of lifting it up and it just you don't really notice it but it's just um it gives a, the gives it a little bit of uh, attention to the higher register. Yeah, exactly. There's not much else in the higher register except maybe the piano in places. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the the feel of the song is a little more bluesy, a little jazz. It's very jazzy. More more jazz than blues, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, it sounds a lot to me like uh maybe something like Billie Holiday might do yeah. or something. Uh Nina Simone maybe. Yeah. Um Along those lines. Also, I I don't know if you heard it, but did did you hear the orchestra going on in the background? Yes. I think that was maybe the orchestra. Or the, that could have been. That, that, yeah. That's what that sounded like to me. Yeah. It sounded very Mellotron-ish. And we know that they had, or I guess it was the Optigan, sorry, that they have. Like the Optigan, which is the Mattel-made version of the orchestra, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Were they made by the same company or was it? I think they sort of came, they, they came about from the same thing. I think the Optigan came first. Hmm. I can't remember, but the orchestra was more of a, a, a studio quality thing and it wasn't made by Mattel. Um, yeah. I can't remember. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's just, I guess Mattel was the people they went to, to, get this home entertainment version mm -hmm. out. Um, really strange things, but totally awesome. Yeah. I'm just seeing who plays somebody. Um, so, um, what was it? Vibraphone. There's tack piano. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a piano with tacks pushed into the hammers. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the marimba. So, uh, yeah, it could have been the Optigan that was on that. It's just not listed, but you it's know they had listed. one. Yeah. So. Um, it doesn't list an orchestra. No. Uh, so it's got to be it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I. Th you know, it's surprising that a song like that is... I would, shouldn't say it's surprising. I guess it's unexpected that a song like that would be on an album like this from an artist like this that's sort of um i guess you would expect this uh from someone more like uh diana crawl or something like mm -hmm. this you don't really expect someone younger to get into sort of a jazzy sort of thing i think diana crawl was about this age at this time though yeah maybe but she she definitely always had sort of like this maturish presence to her even when she was quite young um but yeah she she was always like she's very jazzy that's just her mm -hmm. thing that's what she wants to do yeah um uh fiona apple seems to be all over the place when it comes to the styles that she wants to do yeah um 
Yeah. It is kind of all over the place, but it's not. No, it's um, not. A, it, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. No, 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 no. It's, yeah. it's, it's, um, it is all over the place in the, in the sense that each song is unique, but it never. It never uh, doesn't sound like her. Yeah. And it never, do, it doesn't sound, it never doesn't sound like her. And it, it, it never feels out of place. Right. Um, it, it always just kind of makes sense. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense that she's doing that um what i'm saying is like a song like this she's versatile she's versatile yeah, yeah. and it, it just it's not i wasn't expecting it but it also you know when i get into it it's like oh it, it makes total sense that she would do something like that yeah. but then again you know we were hardly familiar with her so what honestly what were we were expecting <laughs> right exactly yeah um yeah that's true yeah yeah um but yeah so far i'm like i said i keep saying i'm really liking this album and and uh very impressed yeah it's a good one um so the uh the next song is called um the first taste so uh let's hear that one cool i uh that was different um a little more pop. Uh, it had sort of a Latin feel to it as well. Yeah. Um, and I think I have a bit of a, an issue with that song. No, it's a technical one is I think her voice was a little too buried in the mix. Hmm. Um, but maybe it's just because I'm used to hearing it, you know, front and center. Maybe this was sort of, you know, let's feature some of the instruments and on this song. Yeah. I didn't find her too buried. It um, wasn't too much, but it was yeah. more so. Yeah, I think it was a little bit deeper in the mix. Um, and and again, she's got that such a deep thing that sometimes um, that helps. Or I mean, it 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 doesn't help when it comes to like hiding things. Like if you put her too deep in the mix, it's easy for things to kind of overpower her a little bit. Just because yeah. that's just the sound of her voice. Um, so I kind of hear what you're saying. Um, she wasn't too far down there, but yeah, I could definitely see that potentially being a real issue if they took it too far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, I like the song. Mm -hmm. I, um, it's um, I think they're using um, uh, program drums this time instead of a real drummer, which is fine. Um, this, uh, yeah, I mean, it's um. I don't know what I was going to say. It's, it's sort of, uh, it's different. It, it's, it's, it's a shift in the, in the flow of the album, but it's kind of like, um, like a plot twist or something right. like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't ruin the album or anything like that. It's completely different than anything else we've heard, but it's, it's sort of like just another part of the story, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, um, but yeah, I like the song. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Um, we're moving into the second half with that song mm -hmm. of the album. At least that's what I can see. Yeah, there's 10 tracks. Okay. That was cool. number six. Um, so uh, the next song is uh, Never is a Promise. Cool. I love the strings in that one. Mm-hmm. That was really well done. Um, and I like how it ends. It's just kind of, just kind of falls apart at the end. And that's, I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was a quite a nice song. It's a, again, a different pace than everything else that's going on in the, the album. That was probably the most intimate mm -hmm. of the songs. Um, Slow Like Honey was like, uh, um, like so far, I think that was like the second most intimate, like she started to get like really almost like she's whispering in your ear or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, this one is, um, deeper yet again. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, just keep piling on more layers, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I, and the, the P her piano playing is really great. And, um, yeah, she's just, um, she's just really talented and, yeah. and, you know, just, really great songwriter and i mean 
it's amazing that this is her first album and she's 19 when she's recording this. Oh, wow. So that's yeah, pretty some impressive. Some people just have this thing about them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you know. Yeah. I can sort of do the music thing. I've never been good with lyrics. No, um, me either. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's move on I to don't. the next uh, track, I suppose. Yeah, the next the, one is... The one where they list, the actually listed the... Or, uh, the uh, no, the Optigan. Optigan, yes. Yes. Uh, this is called The Child Is Gone. Cool. Another mm. bluesy kind of thing. Yeah. That was cool. And you notice the, the opening sounds on that. That was the opt again playing mm-hmm. one of its rhythm things. It was really, really, uh, okay. um, you know, distorted and everything, but that was it. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, plus, they also used it for the or- some of the orchestra sounds in the background. Yeah. Which you can hear, so. Yeah, that sounded cool. I like that. I thought... Uh, since we've been talking about the Optigan so much, I thought I'd point out what it actually was doing in that song. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, I, there's not much else I can really say about the song. I mean, it's, it's great. Um, it's another bluesy sort of uh, jazz blues kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which, uh, again, wasn't really expecting that from her, but, you know, I don't know what I was expecting from her. Right. Um, so, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this this was, it, it sort of falls in line with uh, that one earlier blues one, not, not the uh, jazzier one. This is a little bit more on the bluesier side. Yeah. Um, trying to pinpoint, like, what type of a blues sound was that? Um, I guess it's kind of like... Uh, uh yeah, I don't know. It's um I'm trying to think of a bluesy piano. Um maybe maybe kind of like Ray Charles. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That kind of R&B mm-hmm. sort of soul, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely sort of a soul thing, but it's it's on the bluesier side of the soul even, so. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um yeah, there's not much else I can say about it. So uh, the uh, the next song is called uh, Pale September. It's uh, that one is a lot like uh, some of the other ones on there. Um, it wasn't too different, but I liked it. Um, another sort of bluesy, jazzy thing. Um, I'm really liking the. Uh, the vibraphone on on these songs it's yeah, really fitting in nicely it's it's it really does give it that uh it's a it's a really good um counter to her deep voice mm-hmm. it, it really it just it uh harmonizes very well with it yeah um uh and you know i i was also noticing that uh every once in a while you'd hear a flute in the background mm-hmm. that sounded like the optigan not to yeah. sound like a broken record, but <laughs> once I know that that thing was there, I can hear yeah. it everywhere in this. They yeah. were playing around with that thing for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could you not? Yeah, really. Yeah. But yeah, I can hear it. Just, it's just fun. Anyway. Um, and there was, uh, y- you could hear the tack piano in there as well. Uh, yep. Um, and that's always an interesting sound. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, was that, was the tack piano, did that come after, um, pet sounds and like Brian Wilson playing around with piano sounds or was that? I wouldn't be surprised if he did that, but I think the tack piano, I don't know who came up with it, but I know it's a trick that, uh, has been used in the, uh, in the industry for a while, mm-hmm. especially it was, uh, like it's a practical effect. Um, yeah. Before they started messing around digitally with everything, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just sort of gave a piano a little bit more of a honky tonk sound, or a little bit more of a hammer, a harder, you know, hit with the hammer. I mean, you got a metal tack hitting your string instead of a a piece of felt, right? So, yeah, it's um, it sounds cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I guess, you know, before electronic effects, you had to uh, 
you know, come, you had to be inventive. Like, I'm, I, I would like to have been there when they invented the mute on a trumpet. It's, it's like, oh, that's a weird sound. <laughs> you know? People would use the, the end of Trump, uh, the, the, the end of plungers, toilet plungers. Yeah. And just hold it up. And it would make yeah. that wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah yeah, exactly. thing. Yeah. Um, I honestly think it, that just might be where, like, they started doing that, I think, around, like, the, the teens and 20s. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some guy decided he wanted his trumpet to talk. It could have been a joke. And mm-hmm. he used a toilet plunger. Yeah. And it caught on. Yeah. Because it was this real, you know... And it gave that sort of sleazy Bordeaux sound to like jazzy trumpet and trombone sounds and whatnot. It's, um, I, yeah, I just, you know, where it's like, what mind would come up with something like that? You know, it's like, oh, I mean, I know people with minds like that. Yeah. But yeah, um, totally. Well, I guess that's a good indicator that uh, we've got one song left. Yeah. And, uh, the last song is called Carry On. So here we Carry go. Carry On, as in, I think, uh, Carry on. generally, it's it's like rotten meat that uh, buzzards eat. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, fun. That, that's, that's a fun up. You know, cheery song, yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Cool. Ending things on a psychedelic note. Mm-hmm. That was cool. I that was a cool way to end the album. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um you didn't hear much guitar on this album, but the, there's quite a bit of it in that last yeah, one. It's it kind of cool. Compensated for, for the lack of guitar at the yeah, end. Yeah, uh, there was like the uh, sort of just like that that cleanish sort of uh rhythm that that sort of started it off, but then of course there's that really twangy sounded like a Fender uh, Jaguar or something like that suddenly mm-hmm. just going a, a little loopy in there at times. Yeah. It's quite fun. Yeah. I, uh, I associate that guitar tone with the Beatles for some reason that that's very Beatles guitar tone. You know? I'm trying to think where I, I know I heard or I've heard like a tone like that. Yeah, I guess the Beatles sort of use that, but I know I heard something a little bit more from this period and I heard it and I'm trying to pinpoint it and um, I can't, it doesn't seem to want to come to me. I think Mike Campbell used that guitar yeah, tone he quite would. a bit. Um, um, maybe right. Wildflowers or somewhere yep, on Wildflowers maybe. or maybe on uh, Echo, maybe somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Um, Could be. Oh, maybe I was sort of thinking of sort of like the Gretchy sounds like uh, from uh, Blue Rodeo or... Uh, oh, yeah. Was that one? Um, Diamond Mind or Diamond Mine. Oh, there's Diamond Mine, but I'm thinking of uh, Five Days in May. Oh, yeah. Some of the guitar work of that, which is really, really good guitar work. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, they're was a also, pretty underrated band. <laughs> they really are. They yeah. need they deserve more attention than they get. Yeah. Um at least outside of Canada, inside yeah. Canada, they're they're pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Anyway, yeah. I I've always loved those sounds. Yeah. Um I like that the it had the two it's almost like two, uh, two, two separate recordings sort of edited together. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Um, well done. And with the way they, the, the feel just completely shifted from the verse to the chorus. Um, yeah. And you know, there, it's sort of like this album is, is like sort of the through line is that sort of bluesy jazz feel. Mm-hmm. but like every two or three songs, it's like something completely off the rails from that. Right at, yeah. Yeah. And it starts with, it starts on that. Yeah. It starts um, from more of that sort of a alternative uh, rock pop sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. To, to hear that first song is not really going to tell you what else is on the record. Yeah. Um, it's still a pretty good indicator of the quality, yes, of the stuff coming on the record. Um, yeah, pretty decent record. Um, yeah, I w- uh, yeah, I 
knew practically nothing about her, but yeah, I'm I'm impressed. This this first record was a uh, that's quite the uh, album she put together at the age of nineteen. I, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's that's <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And um, yeah, I uh, I now I want to go and and listen to the rest of her discography. She's got I think five or six more albums. So, um, yeah, I pleasantly surprised with this i know i say that at the end of every episode almost um, but uh, almost every episode almost every episode but uh i really am i mean this is you know it, we're it's on the list of greatest albums of all time for a reason and you know yep. it's uh yeah i i thought it was amazing um definitely a fan of this album so yeah yep. yeah um yeah i don't have uh much else to say no i think we I mean kind of pretty much said our final thoughts on the on the thing um yeah and once again that uh opt again i could hear it with doing the orchestra sounds and in part yeah. than that last track too so yeah no I yeah, was... it's, that's another thing that if you if if you know it's there you'll hear it and everything it's yeah. it's funny. It's just like they found a way to work it in. It's only mm-hmm. listed on the one song, but I can mm-hmm. hear it in all these other little things. It's just yeah. doing small parts here and there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, it's one, once you know it's there, you can't unhear it. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Well, you still have to sort of sit and listen for it, but mm-hmm. I've heard it lots of places. So. Yeah. Um. Just that unmistakable sort of mellotron sound. Yeah. So an orchestra through a, 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 an orchestron or, or, or a mellotron has got this very unique sort of warbly, you know, um, what's the word? Decayed sound to it that just, and you can't make a, a, an orchestra play that. You can right. get sort of that thing and maybe sort of filter it, but. Yeah, it, it's just got this very unique sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it just you know it it ties everything together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and all that sound along with the vibraphone and everything like it's yeah. just you know those those sounds really just lift everything up. And you know, it's it's one of those things. I'll, I'll say this. It would have been easy, or I guess not easy, but um, uh, common, I guess, to use like a a a, a B three organ or a or a Fender Rhodes or something like yeah. that. But there there was a little bit of a, a sounded like a B ish organ. Yeah, the there was track. a little bit of that, Just but it would hint. have been it would have been um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it would have been. Like that would have been the go-to. Yeah, of course. To, to, for an instrument like that to support, but they chose, you know, a vibraphone, which in the nineties, right. nobody was <laughs> doing, using vibraphone. Yeah, the vibraphone wasn't exactly you know, the, the, uh, it wasn't cool to, uh, of, it's not the cool instrument of the day. Right. In yeah. fact, was it really ever the cool instrument of its day? Maybe, uh. Maybe for maybe one day in the fifties, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> just just w- w- some random Sunday. I don't. Yeah, know. it 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 yeah definitely had a uh, more of a presence around that late fifties, early sixties. It's it's what you sort of uh associate with almost like a bossa nova sound or something like that. Yeah, um, or that loungy, jazzy sort of thing. Not that seventies mm-hmm. stuff, but generally the earlier stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but no, it's it's got a place and you know, it takes a someone thinking outside the box to use it. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's it's it just works. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, that's I guess we'll uh, end the show there. Yeah. Um thank you so much for listening if you made it this far. Uh be sure to check us out. You can drop us a line uh, at polyphonicpress.com uh, send us an email at uh, polyphonicpress at gmail.com um, if you want to help out the show you can do that by going to buymeacoffee.com slash polyphonicpress and uh, that's about it uh, I'm Jeremy Boyd and I'm John Van Dyke 
Take it easy.